0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Flo's first and favourite. I'm Blair. And I'm David. And on this week's show, we've got Elias and Barry Entos.
1: Barry Antos welcome to Flo's first and
2: favourite how are we both yeah I'm, I'm, I'm alright how, how are you getting on Ivan <laughs> I'm
3: good yeah I'm good I'm, I'm happy to be here
1: virtually <laughs> 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 virtually yeah so the usual question we always start with is uh, what was your first club experience mm-hmm. Ivan you've got
2: a way better one than I have so <laughs> what well, my first club experience yeah, you've always got good, yeah.
1: good
3: stories yeah <laughs> Uh, oh well, I can't. I think the the my, my, well for for the records, um, I I I did go into a club when I was seventeen, um, which I wasn't <laughs> allowed to do, obviously because you've got to do over eighteen. And a I went to Club Sixty Nine in Paisley, Paisley and yeah. the first thing I seen when I walked in was like five guys doing like outrageous. Lines of coke off the table. (laughs) 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 No no (laughs) fucks (laughs) given. And uh, I literally was like, oh, I'd never seen that before. You know, I'm I'm a humble boy from some humble backgrounds and. and, uh, It's like, I don't know what, what this is. Is this a loud, is this a thing? And I was really kind of, it was really hard tech and I was really kind of frightened and that was it. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, the next time, I think I just went to, I can't remember what I went next, but that was pretty much my first clubbing experience. But I wouldn't say that was the, it was the first time it was a club, not, not my first right. uh, clubbing experience. So I wouldn't put that down as a good one, but uh, I would say my first good clubbing experience was uh, probably going to see Sowax at Carlin Academy for their Halloween party when I was 18. Like, that was, like, just unbelievable. And I guess, I mean, I know it doesn't really count as going to a club, but that was kind of the first one that sticks in my head
2: about, like, a really, really good experience. For me, um, I'm trying to think. Like, I was introduced to, like, a lot of BAM clubs um, because I was really into (laughs) hip-hop. So my whole thing was... All oh, my mates like doing the funny dances that Bams were doing and listening to bonkers tunes and just <laughs> terrible stuff. And I got, I was always in a minor, minority, so I got dragged to these places where um, hands were flying all over the place and terrible shapes and dances were happening. Um, and then <clears throat> I just, yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to clubs. So it was places like Vicky's and Archaos and really, really like, I suppose it was good fun at the time, man um it was it, it was really good fun um but it was it was an eye-opener of what i didn't want to be part of <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that was kind of a bit <clears throat> i didn't drink drink when i was 18 and stuff so i didn't really drink i was 21 so for me it was more cons i worked as stay we got a job nightclubs as a working in pr and stuff so i was introduced to the club in life quite early but maybe not to the the culture as such with alcohol and drugs and things like that um but I was I always had a keen interest in music but it was the hip-hop thing first. So how did that come about you guys getting into actually
1: wanting to DJ and produce music? I mean
3: I, I think for me it's kind of like just when I started getting more into it like sort of like my actual favorite club experience in general was going to Death Disco at the Arches. Ace. Like, you know, when, it was, when, when I was 18 yeah. to 21, I know it was so good. You know, 18 to 21 for me was just like, my introduction, it was first time going out clubbing and just like, Electro was so big. Ed Banger crew, you know, everything like that. It's just Boys Noise, Tiga, that whole thing was really, really big. So like, and I loved going to Death Disco at the Arches. And that was when I seen DJs playing, you know, and I was just like, that's, so good, like I want to do that. And that gave for me like a good experience to, to understand like how they do it. And and even then, you know, the music was so different. I don't think it was as diverse as it is now, these C D just playing. Yeah. Because everyone everyone was just doing electro. So that was kinda like I really liked that. And also like the ethos of Death Disco, which was it was way ahead of its time because it was uh, you know, gay straight, trans, everything. Like it just it didn't matter. It was just a club for for everyone and no one gave a shit and there was never any trouble.
2: And that's the way I always liked it, and it, there was no pretense about it. Weirdly, I was like um, DJing, I suppose, or, or making mixtapes before I knew what I was like. It only dawned in maybe like five, six years ago. As a kid, I was doing a lot of things um, DJing-wise. Like I was making mixtapes as a 11-year-old for the older kids in the scheme that I lived. But I only realised that was kind of like a <clears throat> an art form or, or a part of my DJing education. Um, way way later in life um, by watching documentaries and seeing other guys that's kind of how they formed what tracks go with what and stuff so I was just a young kid had a ghetto blast in my scheme and older guys would give me CDs to make mixtapes for the cars basically and it was all hip hop based Um, so if I look back that was kind of my first um, first Thing of experiencing or getting involved in music as such, and creating like I don't know, maybe not a club environment for it, but it was definitely for people. I was I was putting together mixtapes and and um, and just creating like a, a flow and an environment in the little scheme I grew up in. In regards to clubbing, though, <clears throat> I think it was. Things like mixed business and stuff that was going on on Fridays in the sub club that I would go to a lot that opened my eyes to like what I was speaking about a minute ago, like the electro scene, and there was people like fake blood and things like that that were that were massive at the time, and. You had uh, obviously like the commercial scene was blown up with crookers and stuff that was getting that fidgety sound, and that was just everywhere. And that was a nice introduction moving from the hip hop side of things into faster paced things. Um, and I got like an easier UK Funky was another thing that just introduced you into a little bit of a faster paced environment for me. Um, and then, but then I quickly figured out that I needed to find like going from DJing into producing, I needed to find like a genre where I can still kind of be true to what I'm into, but I don't need singers or rappers or anything like that. And um, I can create my own, my own vibe, my own tracks where um, I don't need to rely on anyone basically.
0: And you can definitely hear like the influences of like kind of probably those sort of clubbing experiences you had back then. And also like the hip hop elements and stuff like that. in a lot of your productions as well.
3: Yeah, definitely. I also think as well, like for me, like a lot of the, when I was watching a lot of the DJs play and uh, especially guys like Eero Alkin who were really good DJs and a lot of it was about build and using tracks that built and yeah. used a lot of that, you know, I, I mean, obviously it's really prevalent now in Tech House, you know, or even techno, they all do it now, you, yeah. you know, they can't only yeah. pinpoint Tech House as a, as a sort of build up genre, but that's what Electro was. And that's what when, when I was watching it going, well, that's what records have to sort of sound like to an extent don't really wanted to carry that through because I mean, I don't care what you say. There's nothing better than a big fucking drop. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I just don't care what anybody <laughs> says. It's true, you know? No, I they're, think lying, they're lying if they say, oh, I love, uh, do you know what? Do you know what's really great? <laughs> Six hours of linear music. Six hours of nothing happening. Oh, yeah, I loved that. <laughs> Fuck off. You know you, hours, you know, you could do six hours of li- a linear set and you could have one time where I, the guy does a huge drop and it'll be the best reaction. People remember that one. <laughs> you know that's true yeah. and people people deny it for some reason.
0: I think that um, era of music as well, and, and I know it was very recent, but I think it was a very, very important moment for a lot of people, in particular people like myself, who traditionally didn't listen to dance music as i was growing up i was more guitar based uh things a lot of hip-hop and stuff like that and um hearing like boys noise oi 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 album you you know and um you know and things like soul wax which blair got me into i think that really kind of got a lot of people onto electronic music same same for me exactly. yeah i think with
2: a lot of a lot of it, if you if you hear the influences of it's happened time and time before whether you think of um, dj sneak or van helden and they're all hip, hip-hop influenced guys that moved into the house world um, masters at work and all that stuff and you've got your ero alkins and <clears throat> and um Fake Bloods, and whoever else I mentioned before. And there's a lot of producers, obviously, that come from, like what you guys were just talking about, more of a live music um, environment. But there gets a point where I was speaking about my own experience where you may not have the like a band at your disposal or a studio mm-hmm. or anything like that, but you still want to make your way in music. Yeah. And your way in music might just be a computer and speakers and a MIDI keyboard, and you can still get your own you get your own influences in life that you've gathered across that way, but all of a sudden there's a 4-4 kick happening. And um, and I think that's just, it's been going on for time. I mean, if you go back to the days of James Brown and Elvis Presley and whoever else has influenced someone, there's always been a, there's always a path, basically. There's always something that you can, if you actually look back in time, there's always something you can see where it's formed and and why it happened. Yeah, I think those, those bands, especially for me, that we were talking about
1: earlier, were... Uh, it was that way, as you say, of there was almost like a live instrumentation element that Dave and I maybe came from, but then there was this whole other side to it that it was like, for me, it was just interesting to figure out how on earth did they make that sound? Like, I, I with no introduction to synthesis, just being like, what is that? Like, if they're making that with a guitar, that's, you know, Tom Morello kind of crap. But like, at, at this point, it's just there's so much to that which drew me in to a point where I just thought, this is something that I want to get so much more involved in and explore. And as you say, it's that whole thing of I played in bands, but it all fallen by the wayside. And it was like I, I want to sit down and figure out how to do this sort of stuff myself. Did you have a diva moment? Is that what it was?
2: Did you have a pure diva yep, moment? Yeah, I did. You like yeah. Here, I, <clears> I <throat> left
1: I left a band. Uh, as a drummer because they continued to slag me off and I called their bluff on it once it was like you guys carry on and I'm going to leave and they were like Fuck, yeah right yeah whatever so whatever. and then they did and then a month later I was like right sack you as I leave and I left and they were completely up the drummers in Aberdeen are a hard thing to come by so because uh, <laughs> they were dicks to me and that was my diva moment Oh, well, then there you
0: good. go. Over the last so. like 10 or, or 12 years that I've known Blair and we've been doing music bits of music together, I keep on saying at times, I think I'm going to pack it in and I can't leave because that man will not let me leave. <laughs> <That's good. laughs>
1: so um, do you guys remember what your first release was? I am talking about it uh,
2: today, actually. Uh, yeah. We were talking about yeah. it today, sorry to interrupt because I've, I've got the questions in front of me. <laughs> it was uh, Do Anything You Wanna was our first release. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and we were talking about that because we're currently working on a record with kind of soulful R&B vocals. And we have we have been uh, visiting that route again, which we've ignored for quite a long time actually. And Do Anything yeah. You Wanna was the first record where, because again, because I come from the R&B and hip hop background when I met. Ivan, a.k.a. Barry Entos, um, I gave him a bunch of um, acapellas, like just R&B ones that I had sitting about. And it was actually really refreshing at the time because he, um, the, the kind of style I had, um, he didn't know a lot of the records of that. And, and so he came with a, with a completely fresh approach of, he didn't know if that was a big acapella or a, or a not so known one. And so he came up with do anything you want initially, and then I was instantly I was like, "That's a banger! Like we need to finish that. We need to work on that." And um, it was only
3: the second track we'd ever written because we yep. we worked together <coughs> uh, in the December, I think it was. It was also weird because uh, we weren't s-
2: necessarily into that kind of style or sound. It was we were no. really deep things, like like very yeah. really moody, vibey, housey things, and. um We we were totally in a different style, but just I think it was maybe just this acapella that started the notion for Ivan to write a club track and go into that direction, and um, and it just grew arms and legs like we hardly even knew each other, and all of a sudden (laughs) we all of a sudden that record was record of the week and one extra, and and we were going on scream show Radio One, we were getting interviewed, and it's
3: funny because all the all the hip hop heads loved it because of the. The hip hop R and B sample that was in it. So like one extra was all over it. Mr Jam loved it. Uh, Sarah Jane Crawford when she was still presenting on Radio One, yeah. she was mad for it. And everyone's like, oh, I love what a great use of the sample." And it was, yeah, it, t- it got more plays than one extra. I think than anything <laughs> than anything yeah, else, no. which was really good. <laughs> um, but I just like that was a, that was a good example of um, just a track that sort of was kind of just it, there was no. Promo really behind it. It was just it just grew. I mean, I hate to yeah. use this term, organic, yeah. because it's a real fucking <laughs> wank term. But it it did it didn't it, It just grew really naturally. No, it, we didn't pay anyone to promo it. You know, Kev released it in Glasgow on the and it just used these promo list contacts, and it just it, it just went from there quite naturally, which was which was really nice. It was it was a good buzz, and like the, the only the only bad thing about you know, coming in with like a bang is that you drop pretty heavily, you know, you're always chasing the hype and you, 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 you end up dipping for a bit, you know, so that's something you need, you need to read.
0: Did you find though that sort of initial hype on the radio really kind of helped propel you both to ultimately where you are just now, you know, just in terms of kind of worldwide acknowledgement
3: uh, yes and no. I think I think longevity in the game gets you to where
0: yeah.
2: we are
3: now more than anything. I, I believe. Don't get me wrong. Like you get a, a, someone that comes in at the scene and bursts in. It's great, and it looks everything looks really rosy from the outside. But the reality is, I was still doing my PhD, and Ellis was still working clubs. You know, so like we didn't we didn't go from like oh, I had to quit a job and tour of the world. It just you just yeah. sort of were the exact same person, except your record had been played globally. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just sitting there like, you could walk by someone in the street and they might listen to the song on their headphones and they wouldn't even know it was me because they didn't know what we looked like. You know, yeah. <laughs> we were still nobody. You touched, yeah.
2: I, I haven't touched up on it there, like um in regards to like the, the quick hype and then you have to chase it. And for us, it was a complete new experience of the industry of music as well. Like we, cause everyone assumes at that point I don't know what it's like now but the minute you've got like a decent or big record like agents, managements and gigs follow, but it really isn't like that. Like I was walking in the club scene and, and people were patting me on the back thinking I'm retiring from the club scene. I'm going to go on this, going on, this world, going on this world tour. And I was driving a hundred pound Renault Clio car and people were looking at me, why the fuck are you driving that car? Do you know what I mean? So that's, 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 that's kind of reactions. <laughs> with <I> was, with <laughs> Ferrari seats and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. It was like, that was, that was the reactions <laughs> you were getting. And, and, um, but it, 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 it Taught you a little bit about, like again, longevity. Like we we were in this awareness for a long haul, and you get a, you learn a lot from it because then chasing the next record, and the next record to be as big or get as much attention, or it's quite a difficult process because you're dealing with your own. Mental state constantly as well, because eventually if the next record is big, then that deflates you a little bit. So there was a lot to learn of that in that time. This bit, so that was, and again, we hardly knew each other, so we didn't really even know each other's moods and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So mm. there was a, there was a lot to take from it at the time, <clears throat>
3: and we weren't even officially a duo
2: as yeah. such. We were just we were just two separate producers that that were just collabing. It wasn't like we had
3: set out and we said, okay, right, we're a duo, and we're going to do you know, all these records and, and go from there, we just sort of, it was just, it was just, that's what I actually liked about it, because we were just writing records, it wasn't because we wanted it to be big, we just wrote records because someone said you guys should work together, and we did, and that was it. Like, it's, it's really, there's no formula or, or complexity to it, it was as simple as, we were two guys who really liked production, either one of us had better strengths than the other, and it
2: complemented each
3: other, and that was it. Simple. Boom. <laughs> 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 and I know a very, very
0: difficult question. Um, uh, what would you say your favourite release is thus far?
2: For me, it's t- uh, uh, taken over 100%. Like, just uh, for DFTD, it came out, I think it's like three and a half year ago now, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think you're right I think that's the same Great for tune. I think it's yeah. my favourite release it's not just because of the record the record is so totally. what stands out It's it's it stands out for me personally because it cements something in, in in our career like we six months prior we went on our own and no management and we had just what we spoke about previously in regards to like chasing big records and doing loads of remixes at the time That we, some of them we, we shouldn't have done maybe some of them that weren't quite as sound because we were getting like offered money to do them and we got into this loophole of um, like listening to labels and what they want rather than what we be true to ourselves a little bit. Um, and yeah. so we, we decided to kind of go, go our own way. And it was almost like starting from square one again um, yeah. because you can very quickly get hyped in this industry, but you can get very quickly forgotten or very quickly pigeonholed. And we almost... Pressed, so that wouldn't happen. It felt like we pressed a re- reset button um, because a year prior, our, our morale was really low, and we'd vote on like on, only like one record. I think we released yeah. on a comp album. No, we uh,
3: released one single, and we hated <clears throat> it because we were really getting pushed to write a re- what, what, what the industry like to call is a radio record, which is right. for me the stupidest thing, and it it ruined our creativity. We'd done something that year, honestly, we'd maybe written. And I'm not joking here. We, I think we did nearly 30 remixes in a year, yeah. Yeah, official remixes, wow. and <clears> throat> one throat> single, and we were just done. And you know, like, and it was a case of like, you know, like yeah. I said, it was just it was it, that was like more uh, sort of like a good transitional period because we really yeah. wanted to take step back from the management and just take control of stuff and go our ways without someone trying to dictate it. Um, not dictate it but you know like guide you we were just like we want to take it back to basics and yeah. it was a bit of a risk because sometimes I'll, some people do that and then they would just they would just get left behind like yeah. I said like it, so it's really really easily done so it was probably the biggest gamble that we could have done yeah as a as, as a as a as a duo was to just say wait okay we're gonna go on our own for six months and then But it's just it was so
2: lucky. The thing was as well. If you don't know if you remember, like that, I even had six months left on his um, PhD. Is that correct? Um, Yeah. So I didn't get
3: paid after September, and we left our our car management in
2: February. So it was make or break, and then we left the management and um, and go pressing that reset button again. Like if you're thinking about the first record we made, the hype and the fun it was to create, get all that attention, but then it got to a point where. We didn't really even know what our identity was anymore. And um, and then going that six months on our own, like we had this little idea taking over. We just knew it was a, a beast of a record, but we kind of just wanted to control it ourselves. And we sent it over to Andy Daniels. It defected. And there was like a minor change on A&R. Uh, it was just really housey, really us. It was, it was energetic, but feel good. And from the back of that record like all of a sudden like all this attention but positive attention for music that we love came towards our way and it was like from management for working with tool room working with heroes that we love like getting remixes from old records that we used to play and grow up with and it was just all everything fell into place because of that record it feels for me anyway and it was just it was it's almost like we knew our identity and who we want to be going forward and that I would thank that record for it to be honest.
3: Yeah, yeah that. it was a completely, com- sorry, but it was a completely, it was one of the best things we probably did because from that boy, point in the summertime when we started negotiating with the new man- tour management and then we got, we got we went back to our old agent who just it wasn't the right fit at the time because it just wasn't working, you know, and then, you know, three years now, you know, it's just, the trajectory has just gone... Like, unimaginably so because I, I, I don't ever really think it would go as well as it did to be honest but um, and you it's know, also that the just... first
2: record playing out like it's the first record really playing out with that people sang back to you to us and and like hands in the air moments and the like the goosebumps and all that sort of stuff there's the first record with that vocal in the drop that just goes bang and it's almost like we know who we were we know who we are
0: yeah, and 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 can you remember, guys, what your first gig together is? Because we kind of covered like how you came about as a duo. What was it? Um, what was the
3: first gig,
2: Elias? Was it No Ibiza? No. I can't remember. I think I may have been Ibiza? That's
3: not the first gig we did, we did together. <laughs> oh. No, no, we, that wasn't the first gig we did together. We must have done a small one together. Mm,
2: before if, that, if we did maybe then. London or something. Oh yeah, for Jamie, yeah, yeah, for Jamie Ferguson, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, that say Ibiza that for the track. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> yeah, private chair <jet> each
3: <laughs> oh no you're right Elise. the first gig we ever did together was in London at Queen of Hoxton and you got your USB stolen <laughs> yeah I got my USB stolen straight out of the, the deck
2: still looking for them
3: I know who did it as well <laughs> I've got four <laughs> USB naughty, sitting naughty. right here
2: <laughs> I do, no I know he denied it but no, I know it was him um, No, I'm not naming names. He's not in the music
0: industry anymore anyways, that's okay. (laughs) I don't look at him
2: or her now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you very much.
2: (laughs) I <laughs> remember right, random on that gig it was, and we were advertised as Barry Entos and Elias or back-to-back and, Eli- no, back uh, back back and Elias some something like that. Barry Entos,
3: back-to-back back Elias,
2: that yeah. was how it was advertised. Nah, so that was the <laughs> first gig in, in London. It was, I can't even mind the name of the club. Uh, Queen of Hoxton's Hox- an awesome Queen, Queen of Hoxton? That, oh, Queen that's, of Hoxton.
0: That's the one, isn't it, with a couple of floors. It's got like yeah. a bar yeah. and then it's got like a basement area where the club sort of thing is, I think. I think, think Quesli we played Miranda. at the top. Yeah, yeah, pop, it yeah. Top, yeah it was
2: good fun but i wouldn't say like yeah there's no one here any like i don't know it doesn't the way we were speaking about the record there before taking over i don't really think about that <laughs> gig the same way so <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well let's well, let's move on to a gig that you feel that way about what's what's been some you somebody what has been your favorite gig
2: as elias least? Oh, i know mine
3: straight off the bat but I you, wonder you, the you, same. you go first then. medellin colombia oh yeah
2: you love that place don't you i yeah. was like you know what
3: like um I've been performing music pretty much all my life, you know, even when I was like as, as young as six or seven playing piano in front of, you know, the school. And I never, I rarely get nerves, like very, very rarely. But, and Elias will testify, like I've never been as nervous. I don't know what it was about this gig, but it was <laughs> super. Remember Elias? I was yeah. like, I was really nervous because he actually looked at me and went, have a fucking beer, what's wrong with you? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. It like. didn't look,
2: like enjoy- did look like he was enjoying himself. Like, And I was, I was like larger than life. I was just buzzing off the energy completely. I was, but I was, you know, it
3: was just, it was a sold out, you know, it was 600 people crammed, pretty much sold out show. You, know, The booth was like, you're here the first person is directly honestly an arm's length in front of you
2: and you could play anything like you've anything, anything, anything. I, just, down.
3: I don't know what it was I, th- I think it's because i just the energy in the club was just like so it was just so electric when we got in and we stepped on the decks it just ramped up a little level and i just i don't know i just got a pure pioneer for the first 10 minutes and i was really just pure like i don't know a pure like i don't know i've just never had that before and it was one of the best shows that we did because we just had the dance floor for three hours straight, right to the end. Yeah. Like, the people just were like, I don't want this to finish at all. And, you know, we spent probably close to an hour speaking to people after the show.
2: Yeah, trying to I get us into the jungle. Trying to get us into the jungle, you go after pies. No, thank you.
3: <laughs> i have actually, you know. I <laughs> I thought, Come with me. We yeah, yeah.
2: uh, an episode of <laughs> <at> Narcos.
3: <laughs> but that, that for me was, it was just incredible. Like you know, it was it was one of the best shows ever. Like uh, and that'll always stick with me. Like you know, if I if it all ended tomorrow, no, 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 like for, no music again for the or gigs whatever. Like I would be I would be satisfied to you know, with that in my memory.
2: Uh, think like I I'm because I can't pick that one because that was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going for a more recent one, which was um. Uh, Calvin Harris at Ishwire. and um, oh, good. the reason I go for that one was basically because it was all the energy we put into that gig like we see coming off those decks it was like you were exhausted but there was so much adrenaline rushing through you and we had friends and, and family there and stuff but <clears throat> it was almost like we didn't we couldn't deal with talking to them for a like good half an hour Because the whole vibe, the energy, the records we played, being on the big stage, and because when you play there, there's like people on verandas and all over the place, and I don't, I couldn't even tell you or, or think about how many people were there, numbers wise, but it was just the whole feeling of coming off of that stage for me was, I just put everything into that. I was sweating, so was so was Ivan, and we just needed. Minutes to ourselves to like gather our thoughts of, and again it was like quite cementing to where it all started to where it had taken us. That's kind of what it felt in that particular time for me, anyway. Yeah,
3: that was, that was excellent. That's definitely up there.
2: I know that photo
0: is iconic with the two of you and Calvin Harris and Idris
3: <laughs> That was going to be one of the most surreal moments of my life. I'm not I'm not lying. Was being you just need
0: Timmy Mallet or something in there as well.
3: <laughs> we were in an after party in the VIP bit. It was a birthday party for uh, Calvin Harris's manager, and we're cutting about with them and then talking to Idris Elba. I've just it doesn't get any surreal. It doesn't get doesn't get any more surreal than that. <laughs>
0: And, and would you say both of you that Calvin Harris is a guy that you've sort of looked up to being a Scot as well, just in terms oh, of I it, 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 he's, yeah. he's, he's rocket balled and um, was it was he's recently? I know, I know his it, his songwriting ability is incredible, um, and the fact it was it was seventy six million dollars he's just sold his back catalogue for and stuff like that, and it, <laughs> yeah. oh something God. crazy like that. You, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's just insane to think because. That that first album I created Disco, I think, is a fantastic piece of work. You, you know, it's different, but it's it's completely forgotten. Like the current, a lot of the current wave of Calvin Harris fans won't even recognize that as him. Um, yeah. and he he's just he's just an inspiration, and it's just nice him being a Scot as well, you know what, flying just, flag. Just,
3: you know, what's admirable about that is about him is just. He just writes what he wants. You know, he never, you yeah. know, he, he had the capability to write pop music and he did it. And then he started Love Regenerator. He just did it. That for me, and I always say this to Elias, and, we, you know, it's, it's always been my theory about, or sorry, my sort of theology behind music. There's people that do and there's people that don't. Hmm. And you know what I mean? Like you either do something or you don't do it. And yeah. me and Elias are in the camp of just doing it. You know, you want to do something, just you've just got to create it and do it if you don't do it, how do you ever know? It's a safe thing to not do something. Well, I could have been good. You know, I could yeah. have been good at that. But I didn't do it, so I guess we'll yeah. never know. That's
2: so, you know. So we always say this, it's like there's no one, we've always just got our own destiny and our own hands. That's why we've made tough choices through all this. <clears throat> Taking risks, always take risks. Like, and if it doesn't pay off, then fair play, man, it doesn't pay off. And no one holds the other like, ever accountable either. The other, If Ivan wants to take risks, um, I'd usually just go, I crack on and we'll see what happens or the other way about. And if it doesn't work out, no one ever comes down on the other one because that's like, it's a partnership, it's a duo, it's a relationship. And that's kind of exactly how we work. It. And I, I, I believe that people like Calvin Harris and whoever else there is, and they enjoy their, their life and their career. At some point <clears throat> they've had decisions, they've made decisions that affected where they are currently. And And for him, for instance, like, Making any sort of music, like that can only be an inspiration, regardless of what you think of the styles and stuff. Like, I've seen comments in the past and things, and but you can't deny. Talent—you just cannot deny it. Like I, I'd, I watched Ed and doing Glass and be live three, two or three years ago, and I was—I'm never a fan or anything, but I watched a ginger boy create, like, <laughs> control two hundred thousand people with one guitar and a foot pedal, and I was like, if that's not yeah. superstardom, if that's not talent, and that's the same people like Calvin Harris. You can notice these people within a second, like, and and you can only look up to that. You, you cannot put that down in any sort of way.
0: And and the good thing about Ed Sheeran as well is he made being ginger acceptable, so
2: <laughs>
0: specifically for you. <laughs> yeah, but the well, benefit of a like... listenerships, um, I am ginger. and Just a good idea.
2: I'm looking I, at the camera. I, I you just thought
3: you
1: were brown hair. I thought oh, I oh <laughs> d- strawberry blonde. Eat, so that was a cue for
2: you, by the way. I threw that in there. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Man. Um, so a nice. Probably a good conversational piece from here is what is your favorite thing about working together? Zoom. <laughs> <Not> good, <no.
2: laughs>
3: uh, I like I like I like the ability to actually you've already answered it at least, but like, I like the fact that we can take risks and like either one of us is always up for it. Yes. On a record, sometimes if like Elias, like for example, when when like you you when we wrote the one on two room, mm. that's quite at the time. No one was really doing the sampley y you know, discoy type stuff for, for a while. When was it was another style. What was going on? And Elias was like, it was really different. What Elias had written, and he was just like, no, I really, really, really like this record. I think this is really, really good you know, I think you can do it. And I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And you know what I mean? <laughs> and, the, yeah. and that went on to do, like, really well, you know, numbers-wise, done, i have done, like, very, very well. Um, and it's kind of the same with me, you know, sometimes you just say, Alice, I was like, look, like, I really, really, really think this record's good. And it's not that he doesn't think it, he's just like, well, just go along with it, yeah. If you think if you believe it as this much, let's go. Because, you know, there's, there's some records, either one of us, right, that just never sees the light of day because... Yeah. It's just it doesn't happen. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you sit in back and you, you say to one another, this has to happen. Can we make this happen? We'll, we'll You know, I'll, I'll try my hardest to make it happen. And so will Lily. So that's one of the best things about, about working together.
2: Yeah, definitely. We're saying that because it's also helped us musically write different styles because we've got different tastes and we find a middle ground and, there's, there's still so much to learn. There's it's co- constantly a, a, a new school day when we work together, um, and then it's always just like it's fun. That's the thing. It's uh, everything's fun, like and yeah. th- but at the same time, like we are, we are. I haven't this before in a previous thing that we've done. I've got his back and he's got mine, and it, it kind of always comes back to that. Like when even when we disagree or, or have a little fallen out or anything like that, but all the other people we work with now, whether it be management, PR, agents, whoever, it's like, we still just stick together though. And, and we, we know that it's only us two that can get to where we want to go. And so that's kind of, that, that's probably the best thing about it. It's like, you really know someone's there for you and, um, and, if you want to do something creative, creatively um, the other tinkers with it a little bit and most of the time the other comes back with what you started and, and then you go like fucking hell man you just gelled that together and that's exactly why we're a duo and that's exactly why fucking this is happening because there's can, been a
3: couple instances as well where we've written records and being sort of like taking away any of that pride or wanting to put your stamp on it and like for example Shout was mostly written by Elias but purely because when he sent me the record I was like I don't know what you want me to do with this record it's really fucking good (laughs) like you know what am I going to do am I going to put am I going to go right well I'm going to change the breakdown so everyone knows I had a part of it you know I I was still obviously part of the record and I I did my thing on the record but you know 90% of it was still there there's no ego, you know, and this. that's just like there's it was me sitting ego. going, "Well, what my, you know, the record's brilliant, you know," and, it, and it's and, and it's happened with the vice versa, all the way around, is not it, Elise? Yeah, it's happened. You like, just go like, "Ah, I don't need to touch it."
2: 17 times. That's why, like, there's there's no ego that can't be in a duo or or anything like that because yeah. you, you just trust the other guy's instinct and, and know how so much now. Like we've been doing this for years together, and it's like mm-hmm. we've got a, a release, for example, um, next year where we're currently trying to organize a. The, the acapella, the vocal, like the publishing side of things, um, and I started like a piano hook, and this vocal is a very ho- old school house record, and um, and then I hand it over to Ivan, and it's almost like we eat and r each other's ideas sometimes, mm. and Ivan just went away and went like, it's almost like give me a day with this, and then I'll I'll bring it back, mm. and this is exactly what 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 you're after, and. You're, you're never precious about you're never precious about the initial idea you come up with, and then I, I even comes back with it and it's like fuck me, it's like bang, it's like this is the one, and then that's that's exactly what it needed, like a shine, a gloss over it, and that's the best thing about working together. It's like you, know, <clears throat> you there's no ego, you trust each other, and then nine times out of ten, when something comes back, you're like, this is exactly. I
3: always say I always call it beefing it up because you said something I was saying to you was like cool, give me a day and I'll beef it up it just needs beef That's it. <laughs> it's there and it just needs to be there it's you know, just, like, it just needs a little bit bigger <laughs> it it a sausage
0: fartner do you remember do you remember that awful Dada <laughs> <Yeah>. Life plug in that just made sort of it so bad <laughs> <Weirdly, I just laughs> well, we, we used it for a bit as well <laughs> yeah weirdly I, I still use it. it
2: weirdly don't knock it I just fixed a kick for a fucking tour room record in January like literally with the sausage <laughs> shout life. out Dada Life. <laughs> I hadn't seen that I haven't seen that plugin in about five years and I just used it there. Oh I don't like it. It's just
3: so too much. It's so over the top. It it's just made much. for an electro. Ah
2: uh, totally.
1: It's 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 a plug-in for Dada Life by Dada Life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, do you want to
0: plug anything in particular? Um like your socials or anything like that or
2: Nah man, everyone knows us. We're fucking big time. <laughs>
1: I know, I know, I know. Uh, you're doing us the favour here and we're very aware of <laughs> that. that. Yeah, yeah
0: thank, thank you. I know, I know,
1: so, sorry. So sorry, we're
2: we are trying to be super professional here, like we do this all the time. <laughs> no, I mean, we we, are, we have a laugh of everything, to be honest. Like, I haven't pretty, pretty early set out the president for this show uh, or, or this p- uh, podcast series because he was talking about gear and nightclubs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. To be fair, that's not the first mention of gear and nightclubs at all. So, uh, yeah, but it's a good one. Okay, it's a good good. Do, know, do you know it way. would
0: be really funny after this podcast goes out? <laughs> Club Sixty Nine gets a wee council trading standards visit or something. I know.
3: Hey, this was the previous owners. To be fair, they're under new ownership. Fantastic direction. So you know, disclaimer.
2: Uh, exactly. The government owns
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> well that leads us on guys and I just want to say thank you so much to both of you for giving up your time and giving us all your wisdom and just chatting and being lovely guys cheers no worries at all no worries. thanks
1: very much cheers for having us.
2: us cheers thanks guys bye bye guys. catch you later